All right, in November 2013, a song by Pharrell Williams was released that took the world by storm. This song became a number one hit, not only here in the U.S., but also 24 other countries across the globe. Here in the U.S., this one song became the eighth most highest revenue-grossing song in our history. This song you could not have turned on the radio or even gone out in public without hearing. This title was, was titled, or this song was called, Happy. Now, it was a soul catchy tune. I'm sure most of you heard it where, you know, the chorus said over and over again, I'm so happy. And it, would, it said it multiple times. It was catchy and it was hard not to hear. And it would tell us over again, happiness is the truth and nothing can bring me down. Now, in 2020, guess what song I have never heard on the radio? It's amazing how the veneer of happy can quickly dissipate when our lives take a very real turn, can't it? How would you approach God when we're the opposite of happy? How should we approach him when we're struggling, when we're emotionally depressed or distraught? The psalm that we're going to be looking at today wrestles with some of these issues. It's, It's a psalmist that's not happy. He, he's anything of this like biblical picture of a, of a Bible hero. No, he has been struggling and crying out to God, even feeling at times that God hasn't been listening to him. And when I've been reading it, especially this week, I am greatly encouraged. And it is my hope that all of you leave here today greatly encouraged. And so we are going to be looking at a psalm of lament. So it's Psalm 102. So if you open up your Bibles, almost directly in the center, you should land in the Psalms going to chapter 102. That is where we will start this this morning. And so we have been in this series, multidimensional. We've been going through the different types of Psalms. So Pastor Ron preached about a Psalm of praise Pastor Eric had a, a psalm of thanksgiving. We've also talked about a psalm of wisdom and a, a royal psalm by last week uh, from Pastor Derek. And so this week we are looking at a psalm of lament. And now a psalm of lament, it is the largest category of all the psalms. By my count, there's more than 70 of them. So of the 150 psalms in your Bible, almost 50% of the psalms are psalms of of lament. And so these are psalms where, where the psalmists are crying out to God in despair, calling on him. Uh, and so God, they, but it also shows us while they're crying out how to approach God in this depressed state, how to approach him with confidence, with encouragement, but also not try to, to have rose-colored shades for our despair. And so how should we do this? So let's get right into it. So Psalm 102, starting verse 1. The psalmist says, Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day that I call. And so the psalmist is saying, Lord, it feels like you haven't been listening to me. Please turn your ear to me. Uh, Your timeline has not been my timeline. 
Verse three, for my days pass like smoke and my bones burn like a furnace. The days pass and there's no substance, right? He aches within him. My heart is struck down like grass and it is withered. I forget to eat my bread. He feels oppressed. He, he can't, he doesn't even, he's not even hungry. Because my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. And so he's physically changing. I am like a desert owl in the wilderness. Like an owl of the waste places, I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on a housetop. So he can't even sleep and he feels alone. All the day, all the day, my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse. He feels mocked. For I eat ashes like bread and mingle my tears with my drink. He is in deep mourning because of your indignation and anger. For you have taken me up and thrown me down. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. And so he feels like he's at the end of his life. I mean, talk about a very deep, just anxiety. He is filled with affliction. But doesn't this almost sound like it could have been written for today, for this year, for 2020? And don't worry, 2020 is not even halfway done yet, or just over halfway done yet. And so as we approach this song, we need, we need to look at what, what is going on. So this psalm is written for all of us. It is written for those that have experienced hardship due to COVID or social injustice. This is for people who have also lost someone very close to them. And maybe they haven't been able to even go to the hospital, weren't even let into the hospital to say goodbye. This is for the graduation, or the high school student or the college student graduating that didn't even get to walk up and receive their diploma. This is for the, the family that their financial orders have imploded on them and they don't know if they're gonna make it to the end of the month. This is for the, the relationships that have been quarantining together and, and the spouses that they don't know if their relationship's going to make it after all of this. This psalm of laments is for all of us. And I know personally, my heart this year has just, it's been heavy, hasn't it? But again, the psalms of lament, they give us great hope. I mean, they really implement, they highlight the words of Jesus. When, when Jesus in Matthew 11, verse 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so my main point today is, is this, and if you leave here, I, this is the main thing I want you to take away, is, is this, that, that we have a God who welcomes us in our distress and asks us to continue in faith in his solution. We have a God who welcomes us in our distress or in our mess, and he asks us to continue in faith in his solution. And so it's not about looking happy in these times when we are approaching God. It's, it's almost the opposite. This, this psalmist, he continues in faith by looking again. So he's already communicated his distress to God. And then right now he looks at three things. He looks at three character traits of God. And so we're going to go through those. The first one, the first character trait of God. So in our weakness, God is everlasting. In our weakness, God is eternal. So look at verse 12 with me. It says, 
but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. So just a second. Whenever it says, but you, O Lord, or but God, you need to highlight that or circle that in your Bible. Uh, I always, when I, whenever I read a passage that says, but God, or but you, O Lord, just like this one, I think of my wife's class. She's a kindergarten teacher at a Christian school, and she, so she gets to teach the Bible. And a number of years ago, she started teaching a, a Bible story, and this was one of the first weeks of school. And in the story, she was telling what was going on, and then she said, but God, and a little girl in the back went, yes! And it kind of startled her at first. And so then the next week, they were teaching Bible, and she had another Bible story, and, and she got to the port. But God, and the same little girl went, yes! And that is exactly what we should do when we read in, in the scriptures, but God. Because what does that mean? And that means the hero of the story has arrived. And so internally, yes! Okay, so anyway, back to verse 12. But you, O Lord, yes, okay, are enthroned forever. You, remember, you are remembered throughout all generations. You will arise and have pity on Zion, and it is time to favor her. The appointed time has come, for your servants hold her stones dear and have pity on her dust. And so we, all of us, we are of limited strength, aren't we? I mean, it doesn't matter how type A, make it work, bulldog it you are, your strength will fail you. I mean, think about how we spend our everyday and all the resources we have and, and the things that just enable them to function, right? I mean, look at sleep. If I go one night with like very little sleep, the next day I might be kind of grouchy. I might be looking to take a nap. If I go two nights with very little sleep, I'm a very different person. My personality changes, Right? If, if we don't get three square meals a day, watch out. If, if you go a few days without water, you're done. On the average, if you hold your breath for longer than six minutes, your brain will start to shut down. How much did you guys spend on your rent or your mortgage this, this month? Right? We have shelter. Our God is a God who needs none of that. He doesn't have any of those needs. Right now, the average lifespan in the U.S. is 78 and a half years, which means some of you guys are on borrowed time. But our God is ageless. He was there yesterday, last week, last month, last year, last generation, last millennium. He will be here today, or he's here today, he'll be here tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next century, next millennium. He is eternal, and his strength never gives up. So we see, we see this contrast of our strength versus God's strength, our finite strength and his infinite strength and power. This is the same God who heard the cry of this afflicted psalmist and was working for his greater good. He works in our situation. And so we are shown this contrast. And so you might be going, okay, I see, okay, God, okay, yes, let's say God is more powerful than us, but what about when I cry out to God in my distress and my prayer goes unanswered? What about that time when it just feels like my prayers just get stuck in the room, they hit the ceiling, right? I don't, I don't have that red phone that I can dial up direct line up to the big guy upstairs. What about, what about then? 
Well, first I would say God always answers prayer. It just might not be the answer that you're hoping for, (laughs) right? Many of us, uh, when we are crawling out to God, we want the path of least pain, right? Past a path of least resistance. And when he gives us, instead of a yes, he might give us a no or not yet, which means he's just working out around in a different way than we would choose. And when, when that happens, right, many times we grasp for control in our lives. Even though our, our strength is limited, we, we grasp for control wherever we can. And I was thinking about this. Um, actually, my wife and my anniversary was yesterday. We celebrated 11 years married. I, I can't, it, it has gone by so quickly. So anyway, last week, one of her bucket list items was to go on a hot air balloon. And so last week, I took her away to Temecula for a few days. And, you know, we got away from the kids. And so I decided to, to book a hot air balloon, which means we got to wake up at four in the morning. She's going, wait, this is my one day to sleep in. You're waking me up at four in the morning. Anyway, so we get up. And when you get in the hot air balloon, uh, you know, they have a driver and you're in this, this basket. And I got talking to the driver. And you know, he's driving, he's got the little, um, little torch thing that makes it go up, right? It heats up the air in the balloon and the balloon goes up. And I was asking him, so how many, how many flights have you done? And he said, over 10,000. And this has been his whole career, right? Over 30 years. And asking him, well, how, how do you drive this? He goes, I don't really have a lot of control. I can push the torch and it, it moves us up and down. But other than that, we're following the wind. And asked him if he ever crashed. He said, I have crashed into anything that you can imagine. (laughs) I hit the south tower of the World Trade Center before. I didn't know if my confidence should increase or decrease in that moment. But we are just like that. Our control in our life is just one little button that helps us to go up and down. Everything else is just we are going by God's control and his power and his might. We are going by, by the winds of, what, of the, the weather that's happening right there and right then and how God is leading us. And yet we grasp for that control. And so if you don't like the answer, that doesn't mean God isn't answering us. And because his love and his purpose hasn't changed for us, even though we can't see it in his timing, in his ways, he continues to push us forward in his purpose and our greater good. And so remaining faithful through the hardship, people see the true character of our faith, right? They don't see the true character when things are all nice and lush, but when it's difficult, they will see the true character of our faith in the God that we serve. Because even though we look for temporary solutions, God is a God of eternal ones. We look for temporary solutions. He looks for eternal solutions. And so in our weakness, in our struggle, we have a God who's everlasting. But also in our weakness, we have a God who listens. We have a God who listens to us. And he wants all of us, it doesn't matter our emotional states, he invites us to listen to him. Look at verse 16. It says, For the Lord builds up Zion, he appears in his glory. He regards the prayer of the destitute and does not despise their prayer. Let this be recorded for a generation to come so that a people yet not created may praise the Lord, that he may look down from his holy height. From heaven, the Lord looked on earth to hear the groans of the prisoners, to set free those who were doomed to die. 
that they may declare Zion in the name of the Lord and in Jerusalem his praise when peoples gather together in kingdoms to worship the Lord. So we have a God who listens to us. He's, he's heard the cry of the afflicted. He, is, he hasn't plugged his ears and ignored. He's not too busy to listen to all of us. I mean, not just the powerful, not just the spiritual, not just the law-abiding citizens. We have a God who listens to the destitute, to the prisoners, to those even on death row. I mean, I'm not like that. Maybe you guys are, but I'm not like that, right? I, I'm way too selfish, way too selfish of my time, way too selfish of my energy. When I started hanging out with my wife, I didn't want to hang out with a girl that was emotionally unstable. So I decided to even do a test. Uh, when we first started hanging out, we went for a bike ride. And, she, and we were both, you know, pretty physically fit, but I wanted to show off. So we didn't just do like a casual bike ride by the beach. That'd be way too easy. We started doing hills and going down. And I can remember we were going right in the valley, right here behind our church. And she started to feel sick. And she didn't even want to tell me. And so, but we started pulling off and she, I just need a minute. So I was like, okay. So, and even when she's not feeling well, she was still upbeat. She was still pleasant to be around. And we kept riding. We got all the way down here to Salt Creek and she started vomiting. But I was so impressed with her because even while she was losing her lunch, she was still as gracious as ever. After that, I was like, that is a girl I want to hang out with because if she can be gracious then in her worst moment, I, I want to be with her. We have a God that's not like that. That might be great dating advice. That is not how God approaches us. We have a God who wants all of us to trust him with our mess. He invites all of us he, to express our feelings, even with our, our warts and our flaws and our, our emotional breakdowns. He doesn't just want the high points. He wants the low points and, and everything in between. Just like it says in, in Psalm 23, the, the psalm we're going to be looking at next week, that in the shadow of death, he comforts me, for you are with me. I mean, just think about that for a second. If, if you wanted even to get our governor of our state, if you wanted to bend his ear for a minute and let him know what you think about all this quarantine stuff, would you be able to get him on the phone for 10 seconds? Probably not. But we have the creator of the universe who is inviting us at all times for as long as you want to come to him, to approach him. And so he is listening to us. And then what it said in the passage is that we are to record how we've seen him work, to write it down, to, to, to what? To preserve it for the generation that hasn't even been created yet. Because what it, because our memories, they, they are weak. I can't remember what happened last week regardless of what God is doing right here and right now. And so he says, record how you see me even listening to you so that the next generation may know how God has blessed you. A number of years ago, I, I had found a prayer list that I had written out, and I had written it six months prior to that. And so I started going down the list and reading how God had worked through this prayer list. And it was amazing. I'd, I read one, I said, oh wow, God, God answered yes to that prayer request. The, se the next one, oh, God, yeah, God took care of that one. The next one, oh no, God, that was a hard no by God. Praise Jesus. 
right? We've all had prayer requests like that. When God says no and later we say, yes, thank you for answering no. God wants us to bring all of those prayer requests, but he, he wants us to write it out. So I would encourage you this week, write your prayer requests down so that you can look back at them and say, hey, look how God worked. Look how I witnessed him work in, in the past six months, in the past month even. Write down our prayer requests. And so we have a God who's listening and working all around us. Again, we just need eyes to be able to see it. And so we have a God in our weakness who's everlasting. We have a God who is listening to us. And lastly, we have a God who acts. We have a God of action. And now this psalm, again, it is a, a psalm of lament. But in this last section, it, it changes its tune. It becomes a, me, a messianic prophecy. And even in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews points back to this psalm as evidence to Jesus and who he is. Because in this psalm, as we've read, the, the psalmist is saying Zion or Jerusalem has been destroyed. They're even carrying the, the stones of Jerusalem, crying out in pain because it's not restored. And they're not seeing God answer them to rebuild Jerusalem like they, they previously had it. And so he's working around in a different way. And so the psalmist starts talking about the future Messiah. And so let's see it. Look at verse 23. It says, He has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. Speaking of the Messiah, Oh my God, I say, take me not away in the midst of my days. You whose years endure throughout all generations. I mean, doesn't that sound like Christ on the cross, right? Why have thou forsaken me? And so we have a God who, of action and of, how he works. He has worked. He has, he has solved our greatest need, giving of his own son. It might not be the solution we were asking for in the moment, but it is the greatest solution that we could have had. He has redeemed us. And if he is going to take care of our greatest need, like D.A. Carson talks about, he talks about how this is our greatest need. He says it like this. He says, if God has perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, our death, and he has sent us a savior. So if we have a God who has already taken care of our greatest need, how encouraging is how he's gonna take care of the smaller needs for us. If he has paid the ultimate price for us, I mean, all these other little things, they're just gonna take care of themselves. And so his solution has taken care of our greatest need. And so we can continue in faith in his ultimate solution. And so this frees us up, doesn't it? So if we have a God of action, what that also means is when it frees us up from the worry, from the, dep the, the depression, from the anxiety of, of our own needs, it frees us up to take action when he calls us. When he calls us to take action for him because we serve a God of action. We have a loving God and he wants us to act for him on others' behalf. And he's going to be calling us. Just, I can't help but think of when I've done several memorials here for, um, for men who have passed. And so they leave behind a widow, right? And, and in that moment, the widow is just overwhelmed with how much attention they get from people. For probably about two weeks, everyone is asking them, how are they doing? You know, can I bring you dinner? 
can I, and they want to give them a hug. After two weeks, it almost goes silent. It's a, it's a flip of a switch. And so they almost have too much attention for two, we, two weeks. And then after that, a lifetime of grief where people just expect them to be over it. And I almost put it on my calendar about three months after the memorial just to call them, just to check in how they're doing. And I can't tell you how many of them have just burst into tears saying, I, you know, I'm almost on a breakdown just because I'm so alone. And those are the type of people that God is calling us to come right alongside and walk with, not just for a day, not just for two weeks, but many times this is for months and years on end. And that's what makes it so difficult. It's, it's not just a band-aid we can put on, but many times it needs surgery. And so we need to be helping carrying the burden of those who have lost loved ones, of those graduates who, who didn't get to graduate, of the people who their, their financial house has imploded on them, of the ones who their relationships may not last in the next few months, if not year. We need to be the people of God, the people of action, because we serve a God of action to come right alongside of them. Now, if you're saying to yourself, you know, right now I am in a, a season of lament. You know, I, I listen to that psalm and that is me jumping out of the pages. I would encourage you, do exactly what the psalmist did. Get out a piece of paper and just write everything out. Don't let every, anything in. Get it all out, crying out to God. God, this is the situation I find my in. I find myself in. Help me. Help me. Solve it. Here's, here's how I see the solution. But Lord, listen. Get, lend, lend me your ear. Be the God who's everlasting. Be the God who is listening. Be the God of action and show me. Help me witness you work as the God that you are. And ask him. Ask him to work. We also, if you are in that situation, we still have our counseling center here at church that is working and, and asking people to call in that they are able to help you in listening. But as a church, South Shores, we need to be a people coming along those side, alongside people just like that. And so, again, we have a God who welcomes us in our distress as well as asks us to continue in the faith in his solution. Because in our weakness, we have a God who's everlasting, we have a God who listens, and we have a God of action. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we cry out to you. This year has not been easy. And so, Lord, we, we pray over each other and we call out to you. Lord, we pray for redemption and reconciliation and healing where needed. Lord, be it if it's for COVID or injustice or for different families with, with different situations. Lord, we just, we cry out to you. We pray that you will give us the faith to follow you into your solution, in your purpose and our greatest good. And so Lord, we praise you this morning in Jesus' name, amen.